Hester wanted peace, but her husband wanted more. Thus, her lover dies. This novel, The Scarlet Letter, written by Nathaniel Hawthorne, takes place in the 1640s in the Puritan community of Boston, Massachusetts. The protagonist of this novel, Hester Prynne, starts off by stepping out of the gates of the prison and walking over to the scaffold on where she is to stand. She does so in the most graceful and elegant manner, with her head held high, leaving the townspeople to be appalled by her lack of outward remorse. Her sin was committing adultery, and she walked to the scaffold with the product of her sin, her daughter, Pearl, who was just newly born at the time. Since she is an adulterer, she is forced to wear the scarlet letter A embroidered onto her chest. While it is a sign of shame, it was embroidered so beautifully that it did not seem to fit the punishment. As she stands on the scaffold, she refuses to tell the world who she committed adultery with, even though she was encouraged to do so. The irony of the situation was that the Puritan minister, Arthur Dimsdale, who was compelling her to name her fellow sinner, was the sinner himself. Having fallen in love with Hester, he committed the sin along with her and was Pearl's biological father. Just at the moment, Hester's husband arrives from Europe at the marketplace of Hester's public humiliation and understands the situation at hand through context clues. As a highly educated academic, he declares that the town needs a doctor and that he himself can become one. After refusing to name the father, Hester returns to her cell along with her daughter and her husband, who the town knows as Robert Chillingsworth, manages to meet her alone. Rather than showing anger towards Hester, he only instructs her to not tell anyone that he is her husband and vows to take revenge upon the man whom she had an affair with, even though she was not willing to reveal who it was. He understood that it was his fault for marrying her at her young age and leaving her all alone for an undetermined period of time. After a few years, she is released from prison and is given an option of staying or returning to England. Surprisingly, she chooses to not leave and chooses to live in the place where she is legally held to wearing the scarlet letter on her chest at all times. Banished from the town, she is forced to take Pearl and live in a cottage in the middle of a nearby forest. Over the years, she did not rely on her husband or Arthur financially and rather started her own small business, making use of her embroidery skills and threading clothes for all of the women of the town and even the governess. In addition to this, as Pearl grew older, she started to slowly re-enter the society through church and public service acts. The Scarlet Letter, which was once a sign of sin, soon transformed into one that reminds her of her child and stands for angel rather than adulterer. While Pearl and Hester do face oppression from society, and Pearl is often referred to as the demon child, for she is the product of a sin, they are eventually accepted. As for Chillingsworth, Hester's husband, 
He continues his search for the male adulterer and starts to become suspicious of Arthur Dimsdale when he spends some time with him alone. Due to the guilt of not confessing, Arthur progressively becomes more worried and engulfed with regret. Day after day, he becomes weaker due to his mental strain and eventually this takes the form of bodily issues. He starts to have chest pains and his heart becomes weaker. While he is not marked with the scarlet letter, he is marked on his chest with something else, which is not shown but is assumed to be a result of his guilt. At this point, Chillingsworth is positive that Dimsdale is the real culprit, especially after he sees him stand on the scaffold at dawn with Hester and Pearl. Hester and Arthur plan on running away from the town on a boat for England so that they can raise Pearl as a family. Hester's husband is fully aware of their plans and volunteers to be the doctor on the ship to England, crushing their plans. Just as this announcement takes place, Dimsdale gets the urge to finally let go of what he had been holding back for so long. Taking Pearl and Hester in his hands, he stands on the scaffold and confesses to the town of his sin. Immediately after, he dies from his weak state, and he and Hester never have their happy ending. Are you married and having an extramarital affair? Are you unmarried and having an affair with a married person? Don't worry, this is a no-judgment zone. Here, we completely understand the complications that are only natural with affairs, such as children. If you are currently stuck between ruining your marriage or telling the entire world that you're having an affair, fear not, especially those carrying the baby. Here at Illegitimate Central, we specialize in hiding pregnancies. With our advanced technology, we are able to shrink the child in the uterus until it comes out, where it can be converted into its normal size once again. If you do not wish to go through with the process of childbirth, worry not. Our surrogates are some of the best ones in the United States. They will do the work for half the price than the regular ones. And we feed them the best quality of food and take avid care of them to make sure that the child does not enter the world malnourished or with any other issues. If you're in trouble and live outside of the country, don't worry. Our centers will be opening up all around the world very soon. We guarantee a 99% success rate with our technology. In order to hide all the remnants of your affair, we guarantee that each child is adopted into a loving and caring family that will be able to meet all the needs of the child. In the premium package, we even track their growth all the way to adulthood for extreme surety of their happiness. We are a family business and will treat you both and your child like family. We understand that love cannot be contained by any amount of legal documents, and we want to help preserve your love, as well as your child, starting at the low cost of $80,000. And now, we have our special guest, the famous Hester Prynne herself who has descended from her resting place in order to take part in this exclusive interview. So Hester, first of all, how have you been? Well, I've been quite alright. 
Nowadays, I love to go on walks with my daughter like we used to in the forest. It's too bad Arthur never made it to heaven, poor thing. He would have loved the weekly concerts. I see. That is a pity. Well, instead of beating around the bush, I guess I'll just get to it. Here we have the most anticipated question from the listeners. What prompted you to cheat on your husband? If you knew my husband for even a few minutes, you would understand. He is the most self-centered, boring, cold man that I know. I mean, he was so unromantic, I had to go find it in a priest of all people. He never paid attention to me, and always had his head stuck in a book. He should have just married them instead of wasting my youth and beauty on his old frame. Let me not even mention his looks, or lack thereof. After he didn't come back for me, I just assumed that he had died at sea and I began to live life the way that I wanted, instead of wasting around for a dead man. I did what I had to, out of love. And Miss Friend, are you ashamed about committing adultery? Ashamed is maybe not the correct word. I would say I feel more regret. I regret it, and I spend the rest of my days on earth repenting my sins by helping the needy. If I could turn back time, I would not change my actions, for I would not have Pearl. Yet I wish I had not acted on my feelings and cheated. Why did you never tell anyone who committed the affair with you? Maybe it was out of love, or maybe it was a feeling of being out of place. As he was the minister of the church, Arthur would be in a lot of trouble if anyone ever found out, and I did not want that for him, for I was truly in love with him. Why would I wish to hurt the one person that treated me as a human being? I also felt that it was Arthur's place to reveal his sin, not mine. If he truly wanted to repent, he would admit it by himself without having others do it for him. Our sin is not interlinked in some sense. We have committed the same sin, but different sins at the same time. My sin was betraying my husband, while his sin was betraying his subordinates. Either way, it was never my right to dictate how he was to handle the weight of his betrayal. And lastly, why did you never leave the town when you could have started a new life without the terrible branding? Once again, I felt immense regret for my actions. In order to make up for this, I needed to repent, and the only way I could do so is carry my sin rather than attempt to ignore it in a new place. I also could not leave my father behind. No matter his refusal to admit his shortcomings, I still loved him and hoped for a future together. And that concludes our interview. Thank you so much for attending this, Miss Prin. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much as well. I enjoyed my time here. As I was reading this book, I could not help but notice the constant use of juxtaposition, starting from the very first chapter where there is a seemingly out of place rose bush outside of the prison doors, which was there as a reminder of compassion and forgiveness for the prisoners inside, a sign from the natural world of beauty and vibrance even in the grim atmosphere of the prison. What was even more interesting was the juxtaposition of the effect of the sin on Hester and Arthur, 
While Hester had admitted her sin in public and carried around the visible remnant for the rest of her life, Arthur refused to admit the sin, yet suffered more than Hester with his chest palpitation, which were in place of the letter. Arthur's internal suffering was worse than Hester's outward suffering, even though one would assume that others not knowing of your sin would bring one more comfort than a public display of humiliation. Regardless of this imagery of sin and the criminal justice system, I think that many times people forget to look at this novel from a viewpoint of love, however twisted that love may be. Author Ernest Sandeed of the journal The Scarlet Letter as a Love Story seems to have a similar viewpoint. Sandeed begins with accepting that the love and sin in this novel go hand in hand and cannot be fully isolated from one another. But the love is in need of further discussion. The love of Arthur and Hester itself was a paradox. It served to mature them greatly and made them understand the depth and limitations of their moral compasses, yet their love itself was scandalous and, as Sandeed claims, a heresy. While it is set in the 17th century, the universal love triangle is present between a husband, wife, and her lover. One thing that I do not agree with is the notion that since Hester did not confess that Arthur was a sinner as well, that she did not regret her actions. While she did continue to love him, I still believe that she regretted her actions through her outward, outward attempts to redeem herself, such as helping the poor and making a living by herself through needlework. While I do not believe that Hester does not regret her passion, I agree that, with the author that Arthur most definitely does not regret his passion. He repents deeply internally through prayers and outwardly through fasts and flagellations, but nothing seems to be giving him internal peace, and that can only be because he realizes that he does not truly regret his sins in his heart. And with this, today's podcast is concluded. I would highly recommend reading this novel. It really does challenge your definition of right and wrong.